WDET brings Detroit to you. News that affects you and the music you love. Every day. Every day. On 1019 WDET. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for being here. Jocelyn Benson is leaving her position as dean of the Wayne State Law School at the end of the month. She's going to head to the Ross Initiative in Sports for Equality to become that organization's CEO. The Ross Initiative is an effort to improve race relations in America, led by professional sports leagues such as the NFL, the NBA, and Major League Baseball. At 36, Benson was the youngest woman ever to lead an accredited law school in the U.S., and uh, we look forward to seeing what she's going to do at the Ross Initiative. Jocelyn Benson joins me now on Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. Good to see you, as always. You too. Uh, so I can remember uh, maybe a year ago, coming over to your office, maybe a little longer ago, uh, coming over to your office at Wayne Law and interviewing Steve Ross, who uh, who owns the Miami Dolphins and is, of course, a huge donor uh, to the University of, of, of Michigan. Uh, and we talked about this this uh, sports uh, initiative or an initiative for in sports for equality uh, when I was talking with him, and I can remember how interested you seemed in that <laughs> conversation. Uh, I, sh- I probably should have paid better attention that uh, <laughs> that you were really interested. In well, I've it. been on the board since its founding about a year ago, and yeah, right, uh, right. it actually came out of conversations that uh, that Stephen and I had almost two years ago now when I first met him, uh, and I, I taught a, I, I taught a course on sports and inequality at Wayne Law, yeah. as well as race and the law. It's, I've worked at the Southern Poverty Law Center. It's long been an interest of mine. So. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so talk about what this initiative is. RISE is the, is the acronym, uh, yeah. Ross Initiative for Sports, in Sports for Equality. Uh, talk about what that means and what the initiative is going to do. Well, it's a historic collaboration and partnership of every professional sports league and sports network who are all coming together, the commissioners of every league are on our board, to develop programming to help support professional athletes uh, in amplifying and empowering their voices on issues of racial equality. We see athletes as leaders in their communities, and certainly we want to provide support uh, in sparking a conversation about race uh, and enabling them, as many athletes have historically been, to be leaders on this. Uh, And then on the flip side, one of the things I'm really excited about is our our programming in high schools and at the collegiate level uh, to equip athletes with information about standing up for uh, against racial injustice, standing up against harassment, and we actually have an eight-week program that we're piloting in here in Michigan uh, with high school athletes to go through and learn about unconscious bias and learn about how they can be leaders on issues of racial equality in their communities. Yeah. the timing of this announcement, uh, I think, is somewhat uh, ironic given the the swirl of controversy that Colin Kaepernick recently yeah. caused, uh, the San Francisco 49ers uh, quarterback, who, who has decided that he's going to make a statement about inequality and uh, racial inequality in particular by not standing during the national anthem. And I've of course, have watched that controversy pretty closely and been very interested in the reaction uh, to him. Much of it negative. Uh, people saying, "Look, uh, in some cases, you're a sports 
uh, you're a sports athlete. You're a you're a, a football player. We don't need you telling us about how to live our lives uh, in terms of racial equality. You should just play the game and be quiet. Uh, it seems to me that this this Ross initiative is exactly in the opposite space of that. Uh, it seems to sort of acknowledge that not only are uh, athletes uh, citizens and and people who experience things outside of the sport and that the uh, that the tensions that exist in society uh, sort of creep into their world, but that uh, that they should be sort of out front in addressing these things in acknowledging them and figuring out ways to actually make change. Yeah, I think you know wh- whether you look at Jackie Robinson, Muhammad Ali, John Carlos, the 1968 Olympics, there's a history of athletes speaking out and using their platform to spark a conversation yeah. about race and race relations in this country. And so I see that as a continuation of that historical effort and you know wh- while while this incident you sort of see it as being divisive, people are speaking out on their perspectives one way or another. Uh, what is uh, intriguing about it is that it has sparked a conversation about race and and oftentimes you know, especially after some of the things we've we've experienced as a country this summer, we don't talk enough uh, about race and race relations. And I think uh, you know uh, what we seek to do is really continue and spark and inform that conversation yeah. as well. Uh, and, but you know, I mean, what you're saying makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, I, at the same time, I could show you my email uh, mm-hmm. box uh, or a Facebook feed or Twitter feed uh, full of people who are saying. We talk too much about race. Mm. Uh, I'm tired of this conversation. I don't feel comfortable uh, with this conversation. I mean, you really are pushing against, I think, uh, a very strong tide right now uh, that's sort of a pushback, uh, saying uh, the, the best way to not to not have race be an issue is to stop talking about it. The Chief Justice of uh, the Supreme Court wrote in an opinion that the, the best way to sort of remove race uh, from from consideration in in certain uh, arenas is to stop talking about it, stop mm. doing it. Uh, the, you really are pushing a a very different kind of narrative about how we get to a better space. Well, it's in, informed really from history. I mean, when we look throughout history when we've seen advances in uh, equality and social justice, it's come oftentimes after controversy, after protest, after, you know, um, the entire civil rights movement and all the legislation that came from that. It came from people talking about race at the very least uh, in all aspects of our society. And so, uh, so yeah, I think uh, history informs us that if we're going to improve uh, the way of life for everyone in this country, we need, we need to talk about things that that can be divisive, like class, like race, like gender inequality. Uh, and by talking about them, while it can be uncomfortable uh, and it can spark uh, divisiveness, it also can bring people together for solutions at the, at the end of the day. And again, that's what history teaches us. And if we're going to move forward as a country, we do have to have that conversation. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Jocelyn Benson. Uh, she's the dean of the Wayne State Law School for just another month. Uh, after that, she's going to leave to head the Ross and initiative in sports for equality, uh, an effort uh, to improve race relations in America by bringing the various professional sports leagues in this country together to get people to talk about them, uh, to talk about race, to talk about power and class and all of these things that raise uh, significant tensions in our culture. Uh, Give us a call. You want to join the conversation. What do you think of the idea of the sports leagues working together to to talk more about 
race uh, in America, to, to make race more of an issue uh, so that we can get to uh, a better place, get through some of the tensions that we have. Is this an appropriate role for the NBA or the NFL or Major League Baseball? Uh, is this sort of backing the idea of someone like Colin Kaepernick making the statements that he's making on the field in San Francisco? 313 577 1019 is the number to join that conversation. 313-577-1019. Roger Goodell, who uh, sits on the board of your organization, uh, recently said that he does not support (laughs) sitting during uh, the national anthem. Lots of other uh, pretty powerful folks in the NFL and around it uh, have, have said similar things. Uh, do you feel like uh, what you're doing is still somewhat at odds with uh, the sort of dominant culture of sports, which really is about uh, uh, conformity at some mm. level, right? Uh, the NFL tells players exactly how they have to dress, for instance, mm. uh, in, in games. And uh, so when one player goes and does something different, I think there is a sort of uh, automatic kind of negative response, and I think that's reflected in what uh, Roger Goodell is saying. Yeah, I, I think it, Goodell also talked about in his statement today the importance of coming together, uh, of, of recognizing that we have work to do as a country to address racial inequality. Uh, he he you know, said essentially that he didn't agree necessarily with uh, Mr. Kaepernick's uh, method of sparking this conversation, but didn't disagree that the conversation had to happen. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's really reflective of, of what RISE is about, where you know, we're, we don't take positions on what athletes should say and how they should say it, but we do want them to be a part of the conversation because they are leaders. And also the other piece of that is, is on, um, you know, sports has a way of bringing people together. I mean, you walk down the street and you're wearing, you know, um, Michigan colors, people say go blue, uh, regardless, you know, uh, and, it's, and it's a way of, of uniting people. And so what, what we're really looking at is how can we use that aspect of sports to have conversations and bring people together to recognize our commonalities. Uh, and stand up for each other as allies uh, in issues of, of inequality. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go uh, uh, to Angela in Detroit. Uh, Angela, yeah. Angela, are you there? Oh, I am. Hi. I'm on already. Welcome Hello, to Detroit you. today. <laughs> um, I was very happy to hear your guests talk about the phrase implicit bias. I'm familiar with that because of the work that the people at Harvard have been doing with it. And I would be grateful if she would say more about that, because people don't understand that we're not being mean on purpose or (laughs) prejudiced Mm. on purpose. There's something much more elemental that's bringing that forward that makes us interact the way we do. Yeah. So that's my request. Uh, Angela, uh, g- great, great point uh, to raise. Thanks very much for calling, Jocelyn Benson. Yeah. Uh, so RISE actually has a curriculum where we go into high schools and work with collegiate athletes and talk about uh, how they can be allies uh, in issues of race. And in much of the audience, in fact, 80% of the students involved in our pilot program were uh, Caucasian of Caucasian descent. And we talk about how uh, you know implicit bias actually can uh, lead to 
uh, feelings of and, and, and perpetuate inequality, uh, not from a conscious standpoint, uh, obviously, but from a uh, from a, a sense that we're all uh, uh, perhaps in growing through our society and through our history, we're unconsciously uh, exhibiting a bias, even if we don't recognize it. So we talk about and we talk to students about uh, how they might be able to recognize unconsciously or what they're doing unconsciously to, to them that may be biased. Uh, and it really brings everyone together because in some ways all of us, regardless of our background, have that um, te- tendency to uh, elicit an unconscious bias for, for various different reasons. And so we talk about that. We talk about privilege uh, and all the other things that oftentimes we don't recognize as connected to promoting or perpetuating racial inequality. Yeah. Uh, one, one of the things that I think is really interesting about that whole concept of uh, implicit bias is, you know, it, it it gets to this idea of race and racism not being so much about individuals uh, and mm. their decisions, uh, sort of willful uh, bias or, or prejudice against people. Uh, it, it really gets to the systemic nature of mm. inequality, that, that there, are, there are things around all of us uh, in, in this culture, infrastructure, that sort of trains us and teaches us uh, to accept inequality or to embrace the idea uh, of of bias, and that uh, that we're not always in control mm. of of ourselves and the mm. way that we react to that. And I mean, these are conversations that that are really difficult to have with mm-hmm. people. When you say, you know, uh, I, my my insistence that uh, mm. there is bias in America is not an accusation against you as an individual. It's talking about the structures that influence all of us uh, to be to be sort of accepting of uh, the, the sort of basic inequalities that exist. One of the exercises that we do as part of the curriculum is we have eight different scenarios where we tell the students different things about eight different people and say, who would you like to be? Uh, and then we reveal more and more about those people in terms of their backgrounds, their um, their class, their gender, uh, their age, and we see how uh, you know assumptions change or decisions change <laughs> once you see more and more of, of uh, learn more and more about a person after that initial perception, and it, it enables all all of us to see how initial perceptions can be unconsciously uh, based in a bias sure. on one way or another, uh, and it's something that that every everyone uh, has to recognize. Yeah. Uh, before I let you go, I want to talk about Wayne Law. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, two years, is that right? That you four were, years. Four years. Yeah. See, look at that. The yeah, time it goes just fast. flew. Since 2012, I've been <laughs> yeah. 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 So uh, you're leaving that that institution. There have been a lot of changes while you yeah. you've been there, uh, and some really important growth I think in uh, in the in the Keith Center in particular, which is mm-hmm. one of my favorite uh, my favorite little pockets here at Wayne State Law. Talk about some of the accomplishments you think uh, really have mattered uh, mm. for you over the last four years. Well, when I started as dean, I had four goals, uh, uh, and in my decision to move on and take this new position, I realized that I had accomplished all four in my view, uh, and uh, and was ready to hand off to to the next person to to accomplish their to continue continue our trajectory. But the four goals were one: increasing the affordability. 
of law school, which we've done through tuition freezes and increased scholarship support. Uh, and I think it's really critical as a goal to have for education right now, uh, where tuition is continuing to rise amid yeah. budget cuts statewide. Uh, increasing our enrollment, uh, which we've also done during a time when other law schools are seeing a decrease. Reengaging our alumni, uh, which we've done through Stephen Ross, Dan Gilbert, and many others sure. uh, in ways that can help our students. And then providing more opportunities for students to have experiences practicing law while in school so that when they graduate, they don't, not just, they don't have just the knowledge of the law, but they know how to apply it. So we've implemented all those changes. Uh, and I'm excited now to see what the next year's uh, entail for the school. Yeah. All right. The next leader will inherit a place that's <laughs> headed in the right direction. Yeah, I think so. Right. All right. Jocelyn Benson, dean of the Wayne State Law School, incoming CEO of the Ross Initiative uh, in Sports for Equality. Thanks very much for being here. Thanks for Detroit having Today. me. Always good to see you. You too. All right. Uh, coming up next, we're going to take a look at the history of the Detroit Symphony Orchestra. Stay with us on Detroit Today.